Welcome to Creative on Purpose Live. These conversations are about flying higher and endeavors that make a difference. Do you want to do the work you're meant to do now? It's time to be creative on purpose. Are you ready? Let's go. I'm your host, Scott Perry, author of Endeavor and Chief Difference Maker at Creative on Purpose. Learn more about me and my work and grab a copy of Stepping Into Possibility at creativeonpurpose.com. Let's meet today's guest. Kathy Taylor, great to have you here. Please tell our viewers who you are, what you're up to these days, and where can they go to learn more about you and your work? Well, I am Kathy Taylor. Thanks very much for having me here today, Scott. Um, I am a coach, but I do coaching in a little bit different way um, than most people might think. First of all, I incorporate courses in my work, so people are able to come out and interact with them. And they learn amazing things about themselves that they didn't even know existed about how they relate to themselves, how they relate to others. And so when we try to kind of connect them back to themselves, because we're so much in our head these days, when we can get back into our bodies, it helps us to become better people and better leaders. And um, I also include or incorporate somatics into that, which is really becoming aware of your body and what it's doing. So, so that we become more than just our thinking selves, we become our whole selves. Really and where can you find me? Um, HerdWiseLeadershipCoaching.com is the best place to find me. You can also find me on Facebook, the same place. And that's mostly it. I'm not on Instagram all that much. Well, fantastic. So um, you and I have had several conversations, so I know a little bit about what you do, but I, I don't think I've ever asked you what, 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 what's the backstory? What, what was your introduction to the world of horses? What, where was the, the point where you just like found that uh, being a horse person, you know, was a passion of yours? Well, I think if you're a horse person like I am, you're kind of born with it and you just sort of discover it. So I don't know if my mom thinks it's a blessing or a curse, but she sent me to my first horseback riding lesson when I was about five and I fell in love with them ever since. Um, but getting to this work is a little bit different because it doesn't involve riding the horses at all. It's just interacting. So my introduction to this work was in 2008 or seven, something like that, where I went to a demonstration and, um, it really, I just, at the time I was like, sign me up. This is the coolest thing I've ever seen. So, um, and I talk about this in my Ted talk that, um, the facilitator, there was a group of people, the facilitator put um, a guy in a round pen with a horse and said, can you get this horse to stand still in one place for one minute? And the things that transpired in that, he was probably in there for maybe 20 minutes altogether with the horse. And um, the, maze, the it was just so funny because, you know, he, was, he would set the horse in, in a place that he wanted him to be and the horse would you know, bend over or put his head down, eat some grass and take a step and he'd get frustrated and he'd put it back. And this happened a few times. Next thing I know, there's a bucket of grain in there. And so the horse is like, oh, cool. Somebody finally brought me my breakfast. So he heads over to the grain bucket and eats that. And the guy puts him back and he gives the grain bucket and the guy puts him back again several times. And you can kind of see the steam and the frustration um, coming out of this guy. Like, why can't I just get this? So he's like, ah, I have an idea. I will just remove the bucket. And he just picked it up and he put it outside the round pen. And um, so from the outside, I was, I was thinking, why did he do that? 
And um, later on, when it became really obvious to him, why did he do that? When the facilitator said, well, I wonder where else in life you're so focused on the problem that you don't see the solution when it's right there in front of you. Because had he taken the grain anywhere in the, in the pen, the horse would have stayed there happily for one minute, but yet he thought it was an obstacle to be overcome instead of a solution because he was so focused on what the problem was. Really fascinating. Yeah. You, you and I are both graduates of the Alt-MBA, and one of the things that we learned there is how, how talented we are at helping other people see the obstacle that they placed in, in front of themselves, and at the same time, we're always so super lousy at doing that for ourselves, which is why we need to surround ourselves with others. But this idea that the partner in um, that this dance of you know trying to figure solve an interesting problem um, can't provide any verbal feedback um, is really interesting to me. Um, and so I, I'm guessing that your interest in, in work now in somatics is um, weaves into this. And so I'm just curious, like, what is it? Um, that the, you know, what are the horses able to do, uh, you know, without the the benefit of um, being able to speak? And I'm just curious, do the can the horses pick up when the human is speaking to them? Can they pick up, you know, the tone of their voice, whether they're you know agitated or frustrated or or happy? Um, you know, what's what's your take on that? So, the horses don't speak, correct. And actually it's interesting because they're not even a very verbal creature in general. I always have to laugh when you see the, a horse in the movie and he's galloping across the field and he's whinnying because generally they don't really do that. Um, so they're not, they're not a verbal creature, but they are, um, but they speak volumes with their bodies. And actually we do too. Um, there's been numerous studies where you know, only 7% of our communication is with our words. The rest of it is our tone of voice and with our bodies. And so we can be really incongruent with what comes out of our mouth and what is going on in our bodies. And the person who's receiving it will pay more attention to the message that our body is saying than the words that we say. Mm. Because our bodies read our bodies. And so their bodies are reading our bodies too. So. You asked then about the, the intention behind a, a tone of voice with them. I think, again, they are reading that, that intention that's coming from the body more than the tone of voice. In fact, sometimes I will use a tone of voice out there. Um, you know, I'll, I'll, I, I, it's really more for me, for my benefit when I'm working with the horse. You know, hey, come on, let's do this. We can do this together to kind of... Um, you know, I'll have this sort of running dialogue between me and the horse to remind myself of really what's going on in my body and am I being there. Yeah. I am not a horse person uh, mm -hmm. based on childhood trauma with horses. <laughs> but um, but I, I have like, you know, like any, especially, you know, any boy, you know, grows up watching, um, you know, cowboy shows and 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 movies and whatnot and you know i mean the romance and the nostalgia that's just kind of wrapped up into horses is really appealing one of the things that is really fascinating to me about this idea of working like tying leadership training with working with horses is my guess is that when a human being is working with a horse um 
the human being is not really in charge, I would guess, uh, at least based on my experience, you know, when the horse can, the cor horse can choose to do whatever it wants to do. And there's very little that the human being will be able to do about that. So our usual um, paradigm for leadership, which is I have authority, I'm in charge, you know, comply with what I'm telling you to do, because I'm telling you to do it, um, probably does not apply. Uh, with working with horses. So what are, you know, first of all, would that assertion be correct? And then second, you know, so what are the, what are the things that your, your clients are learning about? I mean, I'm, you know, what are the skills that they're learning that they can take away from this experience that will help make lead, lead better without relying on authority and compliance? Um, well, you just set me up so perfectly when you use that word compliance, Scott. Um, so certainly horses, well, let me, let me say this first, that the principles that we use with horses are the same principles that apply to people. And so one of the sort of um, underlying foundational principles of the, um, of the philosophy that, we, that I follow anyway, which is called natural likenesship, is that a, a good principle is a good principle no matter where it's practiced. And so if, if it's practiced someplace where it's not a good principle, then it's not a good principle anywhere. So the things that I'm saying um, and trying to practice and embody have to be equally applicable to um, humans and horses. So certainly we can make people comply by authority and certainly we can also make horses comply with authority. You get a big enough whip, you intimidate them, whatever. I mean, they're they tend to be more uh, flight animals than fight animals, so they would let rather run away. Um, but if they're back into a corner, they'll fight just like people. So, but the question that I think leaders need to ask themselves is, what kind of relationship do they want with the people that they're leading? Do they want it to be this command and control, you must comply or else kind of relationship? which eventually leads to resentment and disempowering feelings down the line and um, at the part being learned helplessness. Um, or do they want to have this relationship that's based on connection and cooperation so that everybody moves forward together and everybody's lifted up at the same time. And so that's, um, that's what the, my clients are experiencing out there with the horses because the horses, they will, they will comply if you get them to, if you want them to. Um, but do you want them to? And it's harder because it's like, yeah, I just want them to walk along with me. Like, okay, great, but how does that work? You take your relationship to the next level. Like, maybe he might walk along with you, but is he willing to, you know, go over to the gate, visit his friend, and then come back? And, and is your relationship strong enough to do that? So building that relationship just step by step because you have to be present with that horse for that connection to really be happening. And, and it's really easy for us to flip over from connection to it being a task-oriented thing. I mean, I've even come to the realization that there have been plenty of times when I'm out there thinking, oh, I have to go build a relationship with my horse and I'm looking at the relationship as a task. And so being able to flip that around and say, no, it really is about the relationship first and then what can we accomplish through that? And so they're basically, leaders that are come out and are working with the horses are basically learning the principles 
to work with people by working with the horses. The horses just give them this immediate feedback that they can't fake um, because people will still sort of pretend like they're doing things and comply because you're the boss or you, you know, you, you're, you're the mom or the dad or whatever. So, I mean, this applies not only to leaders, but also to parenting and at school with teachers and in, in every realm. Oh, I can't hear you, Scott. We've got uh, a, a delivery truck is outside the, the door, so I was <laughs> on mute. Sorry about that. Um, I, I love everything that you were just saying, and, and you, you, as you're speaking about um, the, the ideas of connection and cooperation and presence, um, you know, this is the thing, the things that we're working on and in the online community development work that I do, which is, you know, we, yes, we have to have a container, we have to have certain, um, you know, rules of conduct or, or terms of service or whatever you want to call them. Mm -hmm. But the, an online community or any other kind of relationship only works if everyone is enrolled on the, it, you know, to be on the same journey or to have, you know, be moving in the same direction towards the same, uh, destination so I really you know I really hear that in what you're saying um, I imagine that it's got to be you know tough especially for leaders that you know I just I think of myself about the way that I was raised the way that I was schooled uh, the way that I was employed <laughs> um, you know it mostly was authority and compliance um, and as somebody that grew up in that kind of environment who does not want to be that kind of leader it has been required a lot of work and a lot of paying attention um and a lot of undoing uh you know the the, the fixed mindsets that have been imposed on me you know just by my my upbringing mm -hmm. um it, it, are there is there a way that you're you're able to frame the experience before someone goes in to help them uh, to to help earn their enrollment and in, in learning this new way, um, which well new to them I imagine, um, of engaging with the people that they seek to lead. So let me see if I understand your question. Is it is it around how do you, how how do people need to sort of come to me in the way that they think? Yeah, so I guess part of it is thinking about it in terms of, you know, who who your work is for and, and, and who who um and who who does it attract. So are the people that are coming in, are they already set up and ready to at least, you know, lean into this new way of, of leadership? Or, you know, do you have the experience from time to time of somebody that just does doesn't have the experience or the um, open to the experience of leading in a different way, because it seems right. like it's a very it's a very you know non traditional. I mean, it makes complete sense to me, mm -hmm. but it is not my experience in being led in most of the places where I've been um, a person being led. Okay, so I would say that most of the time the people that come to me, they are seeking something different because whatever they've been doing before 
either either it's been done to them and they haven't liked it and they don't want to do it in the future or they just know that it's not working um, and so they need to do something differently. And I, I'm thinking it was Einstein that says we can't solve a problem at the level it was created. And so you're, if you're going to do something differently, you you have to think differently and you have to embody something different. And that's really what the horsework is about is getting it not just in your brain, but actually doing it. So just like you don't learn how to ride a bike by reading a book or watching a video, you have to get out there and do it. This is a way to get out there and do it and get this leadership, this different way of leading into your body because it's a whole mind and body experience. Um, it also has a lot to do, and this is this is probably where a lot of people get really challenged, is you don't have control of the outcome. So it's, you know, letting, letting go of that control is really hard, especially from, I mean, I would say, I would raise my hand, um, I like to be in control. <laughs> um, but I, I and my clients are really learning to, um, to have a sense of play about things. Because yes, things are serious, but we don't have to be so, we don't have to be so deadly serious that everything is life and death, right? Um, you know, if we can have a lighter sense about ourselves and be willing to make the mistake and realize that actually that mistake is super valuable because then we get the opportunity to fix it. Mm-hmm. And that that's a new learning there. And it just sort of builds on itself. So, um, you know, can we be kind to ourselves? Can we accept that we're going to make mistakes? Can we tweak them, adjust, and, and move on, ready to make another one? Yeah, love it. Well, it's interesting that you bring up mistakes because that, that my next question was, um, and this is a question I ask most of my guests is because it's always so instructive for people that are tuning into these conversations. You know, if you are doing work that matters, that seeks to make a difference, you will make mistakes and you will experience failure. It's just part of the gig. And I'm wondering if there's an experience that you'd be willing to share where you, you either made a mistake or you um, suffered a significant failure that you were able to turn into a really important lesson or motivator or just got a real big aha that helped you really ratchet forward um, making progress in this this thing that you've built, this Herbwise Coaching. Uh, sure. So what's coming to mind for me right now is at a conference that I did um, that's around this work. It was, my, it was uh, the first year I was doing it, first year, first conference I'd ever been to, and uh, I volunteered to be one of the people that were, you know, did a sort of a demonstration or in, in the arena. It wasn't really a demonstration because I wasn't demonstrating anything. I was just sort of following them with the thing. So we actually had in there, there were... They had set up some sort of little obstacle course, and there were five horses and there were five teams. So we worked with, um, at the time, um, I had another person that was part of my team. We were working together. We chose a horse. So what ended up happening was, um, you know, and the the idea was whoever gets to the obstacle course first wins, right? I work a little bit differently now, but this did have a big, huge impact on me. I still think about it. Um, So... All the other teams pick their horses, they're going, whereas Julie and I, we stepped back and we just kind of thought, well, how would we go through the obstacle course? And then by the time we were able to choose our horse, well, there was only one horse left, so we didn't choose, that was just him. And um, it was really interesting that we ended up 
finishing second out of all those people that started before us. And so it just helped me to remember that it doesn't really matter when you start, just that you start, which is the first thing. And another thing is that um, not to compare yourself to others because they're on a different journey. And we still ended it across the finish line. So we still, quote unquote, won. We didn't have to be first in order to win. Yeah, love it. Um, you also just a, a moment ago brought up this really interesting idea that I don't think that we talk enough about in that, you know, I just framed work that's worthy of your time, effort and talent is, is going to, you know, require some rigor and resilience and there will be challenges and difficulties and misfortunes and all those kind of things. But at the same time, you brought up this idea of, you know, incorporating play and, um, you know, looking at problem solving as, you know, as, as a game and something to me that that's uh, just a really important thing that, again, you know, we, I think you said, you know, it's serious work, but we don't have to take ourselves too seriously, you know, while we're, we're doing it. And I'm just wondering if the fact that there's horses involved, I mean, it seems like there were just, that would just naturally lend itself to, um, being a little bit more playful, uh, and also the the idea of it just seems like such a novel way to approach something that's pretty standard and has been for a while. This idea of leadership training and leadership coaching has been around for a long time, but um, to do it in this very different way seems like it would uh, just open up a lot of possibility around creativity and 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 play. Is that is that your experience? Yeah, definitely. I mean, people come out here and they have fun, um, and that's part of it. And I'm, I'm, I'm glad that's part of it. Um, they also have to figure out, have to find that sort of that play spot in them, and because it's, and in fact, one of the re- one of the things is you, you know, you're not being playful when you're really focused only on the task and only on the outcome. It's like, um, in fact, I just told a client this morning that one of the things that I truly believe in the depth of my soul is that the way you do things is as important, if not more so than what you do. Um, and so incorporating that play and, you know, that sense of joy, because otherwise work is just a drag or it could be, um, is really important. And, you know, the horses, I mean, they're happy to eat grass. You know, they're, you know, that's their pattern is let's eat grass, let's take a step forward. Let's eat some more grass, let's take a step forward. So um, the for the clients to find that sense of play within them that draws out that sense of play within the horses is really fun to see. Yeah. I, I, one of these days, I'm going to get myself out to Texas and get over my childhood trauma and, uh, <laughs> and come play with your horses. So, yeah, you, you don't have to ride them. <laughs> and two of them are, are little, little horses. Right. Um, well, some someday I'd even like to like to get that far again, because uh, I, I I imagine uh, we live in an area of the country where there are a lot. Of, in fact, when we lived on the farm, we lived at the end of a dirt road, and hor- people on horses came by with disturbing frequency sometimes, <laughs> uninvited. <laughs> um, but you know, it is it is just an amazing to me an amazing thing. 
um, you know, a partnership that that's really uh, that is playful and meaningful and um, looks like, you know, it's very sophisticated and fun at the same time. So we're, we're running uh, to the end of our time together, Kathy. So I have the final question is always the same, which is what's one tip or piece of advice that you'd leave listeners with to help them fly higher in an endeavor that they seek to make a difference in? Mm, I guess I would go back to that, to remembering that the, the way you do things is as important as what you do and maybe more so um you know are you incorporating that sense of joy and play in what you're doing in your endeavor or is it a slog um just to 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 keep keep in touch with that part because that's probably what you know the spark that the, the passion that sparked it all and when you lose that then you kind of lose that that drive to do anything, you lose connection with yourself, and then it all kind of goes goes to pot. Yeah, well, that's really excellent advice, and we appreciate that. I want to thank everyone for tuning in. Kathy and I really appreciate you lending us some of your valuable time and attention, and we hope today's broadcast motivates you to lean into an endeavor that matters with greater curiosity and courage. You can learn more about Kathy and her work at, go ahead and give the website again, Kathy. It's Herd Wise Leadership Coaching. So H E R D W I S E leadershipcoaching.com. And of course, it's always great to hear and see you at creativeonpurpose.com. Now, go out and make a difference and keep flying higher. Kathy Taylor, thanks so much for your time today. Thank you, Scott.